Coming up, what are seven Diamondback storylines or trends that we're keeping our eye on for the rest of the season post-trade deadline? That's what we're discussing next. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle, and follow us on YouTube at Locked On Diamondbacks, if you go follow the YouTube channel. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. As I mentioned, I want to talk about seven Diamondbacks storylines, trends to follow post trade deadline. But before we jump into it, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, let's talk about those seven Diamondbacks trends or storylines that I'm keeping my eye on for the rest of the 2022 season. These are post-trade deadline storylines I'm keeping my eye on. And the first one, these are seven that I just pretty much came up with um, just off the top of my head, things I've been thinking about recently that I want to see for the rest of the season. And the first one is Alec Thomas at the top of the lineup more. What Diamondbacks fan does not want to see Alec Thomas consistently batting number two or maybe batting leadoff for this D-backs team? And the case for Alec Thomas batting at the top of the order is very simple. He's batted second the most often this season and he's batted seventh the second most often so he's either batting second or seventh 90% of the time when Alec Thomas is batting second in the lineup guess what his numbers 276 average a 773 OPS when batting second that is very good remember he is a rookie he came in you know second month of the season this is not someone that started the year on the major league level he came up from triple a and when he's batting second very good numbers for a rookie very good numbers for anyone in baseball 276 average 773 OPS but when Alec Thomas is batting seventh 197 average, a 607 OPS when he's batting seventh. Alec Thomas is quite literally a worse player when he's batting at the bottom of the lineup, and he has the kind of skill set that should keep him at the top of the lineup. He's someone that's a very good contact hitter, a little bit of a slap hitter. He's not going to put bad at-bats together. He's not going to be a big strikeout volume guy. He's not going to probably, you know, he's not going to drive you 115 RBIs from that number two spot, but he is a table setter. He's a very quick guy. He knows how to get on base. So when Alec Thomas hits a single to right field, he's capable of going from first to second right away if he reads the ball correctly. And we know we can do defensively. So I just feel like, getting a motivated Alec Thomas with what he does defensively in the outfield then you have him batting second. I think that would just feed into his psyche at the plate. And it's just been the guy so far this season that we've seen improve 
at the plate throughout the year and actually perform well when he's batting second. So why would we not give him more of an opportunity batting second, especially considering we know the D-backs are not really in a position to win too many games. So Alec Thomas batting second in the lineup, I think is a must and he needs to stop batting at the bottom of the lineup because he has a skill set that's perfect for being a table setter at the top of somebody's lineup. Number two on my storyline to follow for the rest of the season this kind of falls in line with the first one. How about more Jake McCarthy? I don't know how you guys feel about Jake McCarthy. I feel like he's a little darling in the D-backs community. Uh, you know, across baseball, not too many people are having Jake McCarthy conversations outside of D-backs fans, but in the month of June slash July, if you combine the two months, Jake McCarthy batted 344. 344. Here's 21 for 61 in both June and July with two home runs, seven doubles, a near 1,000 OPS. Jake McCarthy has been good the last couple months for this D-backs team, and it's kind of gone under the radar. He's also 99th percentile in sprint speed. Like, this is someone that's quick. He's got a good frame on him. Um, and I th- I just think he could be a diamond in the rough for this D-backs team. Like, they might not even realize what they have in Jake McCarthy because there was rumors that maybe they traded Jake McCarthy just because they have such a, 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 a gluttony of outfielders. But Jake McCarthy's still young. He's like mid-20s, and I don't think we've really scratched the surface with him. I don't know if he's going to be an all-star or something like that, but maybe he is an everyday Major League outfielder. And I just want to see a little bit more opportunity from Jake McCarthy to see if this... To see if what we saw in June and July was legit or if it was, you know, maybe he just had a hot couple months and he's really not that guy. I want to see because what he's done in the minor leagues this year would tell you that he's better than just a minor league baseball player. He's better than someone that should be in AAA. In AAA in 36 games this year in Reno, Jake McCarthy had a 369 average and over 1,000 OPS. So this guy has absolutely crushed AAA pitching this year, which is a great sign that he should be elevated and promoted. And since he's been on the big league level the last two months, Jake McCarthy has been a very, very productive outfielder for this D-backs team. And with David Peralta now gone, that's a lefty at bat. Jake McCarthy is, Dave Peralta was, Peralta now gone, you could just replace Peralta as a lefty outfielder with Jake McCarthy. It's a seamless transition. Jake McCarthy, nice frame, nice build. I like his swagger. He seems like a guy that should have some pop. He's got like four or five stolen bases and only been caught stealing one time this year. So I like the skill set of Jake McCarthy. I want to see what we've seen from him in June and July is legit. And the only way to find out is to give him more playing time. Now, the last storyline or trend I want to talk about in segment number one is Dalton Varsho taking a post-trade deadline leap because if you remember last year, the first half of Dalton Varsho in 2021 was absolutely terrible. It was like a 130 average. It was like a 480 OPS. Like it was something to just ride right off basically like you were like if you saw Dalton Varsha in the first half last year you're like I don't know if this guy is going to be a major league baseball player I don't know if this guy has a future with the organization but in the second half that's when we all became Dalton Varsha believers a lot of us were already Dalton Varsha believers but that's when we jumped in the bandwagon that's when we took the jump off the cliff the proverbial jump off the cliff and just went all in on Dalton Varsha because he basically doubled his numbers in the second half last year he batted like a 280 average with like a 900 OPS basically. We saw the power, we saw the speed, we got the full VAR show experience. And so far this year, like overall in the season, if you compare his numbers this year to last year, 
He's played nine. He played 95 games last year. So far, he's played 95 games this year, and the raw numbers are better across the board, like the home runs, the RBIs, stuff like that. He has more counting stats than last year, but part of that's because he's played. He's got like 70 more plate appearances in the same amount of games as last season, and the averages of Dalton Varsho are pretty much similar, if not worse. So when you look at batting average and OPS, those are both down from last year. But we are starting from a better place than where he started from last year because he had that terrible first half, and the second half is what balanced out those numbers. Dalton Varsho's numbers so far from this first half are where he ended last season. So if we could get a little bit of a boost from Dalton Varsho post-trade deadline, I'm not saying his numbers have to double like they did last year, but maybe he is a 300 hitter post-trade deadline with that 850 OPS. And then on the season, maybe his numbers raised to 275 with like a basically 800 OPS by the end of the year. And then you look at his third season in baseball and you're like, wow, Dalton Varsho, another year of progression, another year of getting better, and he continues to be a super dynamic athlete because this year, we've only really gotten flashes of Dalton Varsho, and we've seen it at times him become a really dominant player in the outfield making crazy defensive plays. We've seen um, situations where he's hitting a couple bombs and then stealing a couple bases. Like, we know about the athleticism about Dalton Varsho. We know what he could do at the plate, behind the plate, in the outfield, but does he do it consistently, consistency, consistently that's the word I want to say consistently enough for him to become you know potential all-star one day like we all think he has all-star potential but he hasn't really put it together over the course of a full season he did it in the second half last year and so far this year it's probably been a little underwhelming because you're hoping that second half of last year would carry over to this year and he hasn't been as bad as he was in the first half last year but he still hasn't been as good as he was in the second half last year so Dalton Varsho post trade deadline could get a little bit of a boost take a little bit of a leap and get those numbers up to maybe a 275 average on the season and around an 800 OPS on the year. I think that would make us feel really good about the prospects of Dalton Varsho's future heading into his fourth season next year. So I would love to see a Dalton Varsho bump post-trade deadline. Now, I got a few more storylines and trends I want to talk to you guys about post-trade deadline and maybe one of them involves the D-backs getting some jewelry in their future in the in the form of a championship ring and speaking of rings the best place to get some fine jewelry is BlueNile.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's Ben Jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, and going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. All right, all right, right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the next storyline or trend I got on my list that I'm watching from this D-backs team post-trade deadline. Next one I want to discuss is 
I want that number five spot in the rotation just to be what I want to just be a rotation as that number five spot in the rotation. I think it should just be a revolving door of a different starter every fifth day, basically. And it should be someone that is extremely young and potentially in the minor leagues right now because we already saw Tommy Henry um, make his major league debut this past week, and he was very serviceable in his debut. Was it a great debut? No, but he did go five innings, which is solid, four earned runs. Wasn't bad by any sort of the imagination. And I just want to see more of that. I want to see more Tommy Henry type starts, more starts from our young pitchers that we have in the organization that are probably ready to at least be called up and be in the bullpen or something like that because the D-backs have so many young guys in AAA and AA that I think you could probably call up and see what they have because guess what? I'm tired of seeing the Mark Melansons of the world. I'm tired of seeing other bad relievers come out this D-backs bullpen that just won't help the D-backs future at all. At least with these young guys, we can see um, what they have and whether they should be a part of the D-backs future moving on. And we probably wouldn't even know that just from this season, but at least we get to let them, you know, let these pitchers take some lumps, um, adjust a little bit to the major league level. And if they do struggle, then maybe they struggled this season during a season where already not going to make the postseason and they could just get some of those growing pains out. So I actually have a few ideas of some young pitchers I would want to see get a spot in the rotation or bullpen if the D-backs want to go that route. And that is Brandon Fat. Some of these guys, I still don't know how to pronounce their names yet, but Brandon Fat, who just got called up to AAA, the number four prospect in the D-backs organization, Ryan Nelson, Triple-A pitcher, number five prospect in the D-backs organization. And Drew Jameson, number six prospect in the D-backs organization. Guess what? Four, five, and six in the D-backs organization. All of them are either 23 or 24, so it's not like they're 20-year-old pitchers that I'm calling up. Like, they've been in the minor leagues for a hot minute now. They've been in the system. They're all in Triple-A, so I think all three of those guys could potentially be called up and be ready to produce. I'm not saying they're going to look like all-stars, but I think they're at least mentally ready to be on the major league level and at least give it their all because all three of those guys, I think, have a unique skill set that the D-backs really don't have in their rotation or bullpen right now. Like, Fat is 6'4", he's 220, he's a double fastball guy, fastball, uh, that's a four-seamer and a two-seamer. The fastball sits in the mid-90s, and he's very good with his changeup as well to keep hitters off balance. And he's a big ground ball um, ground ball out pitcher, which the D-backs love. The D-backs love pitchers that could get ground ball out. So Brandon Fat fits the mold if the D-backs want to go that route. Ryan Nelson is 6'3", 184, and he's probably got the best swing and miss stuff of the three guys because he's got a fastball that can touch triple digits with a curveball and slider to pair with it. And then Drew Jamison is probably a guy that's a combination of both of these guys because he's also got the double fastball that sits in the mid to upper 90s can also touch triple digits with a couple breaking pitches as well like all three of these guys might ultimately just be relievers in their career but I would at least like to give them a taste of the rotation before we move them to the bullpen and even if the D-backs decide to move them to the bullpen first we will probably do the Caleb Smith thing where they get some long relief outings so we could see them in that situation where who knows maybe a Zach Davies goes out there in the first two innings gives up four earned runs you say hey let's bring in Ryan Nelson let's throw him out there for two to three to four innings and see what he has so I just want to see some young fresh arms be called up to the D-backs um get called up to the major league level because the D-backs just do not have a enough young fresh arms especially guys that could throw heat we've seen a little Luis Frias this year but the D-backs really don't have a ton of guys right now in the major league level that could hit mid to upper 90s consistently those three guys could all sit between 95 
105 and 100 miles an hour consistently with their fastballs, which are probably the best pitches for all three of those guys. Their fastball is probably the best for all three of those guys with some breaking pitches, even uh, like a changeup or a curveball or a slider. So I would like to see the D-backs take some dart throws with some of their younger pitchers that they have in the organization. They've already done it with Tommy Henry. I think if they could continue to do it with Ryan Nelson, Fat, and Jamison, I think that would be a good look. It just depends who you have to, you know, option out or cut or DFA if you're the D-backs from the roster already. But I don't really care about those decisions. I just care about getting one of these three one of the three one of these three guys called up maybe all three of these guys called up but i need to see more young fresh arms on the on the major league level for the arizona dimebacks and then another storyline storyline number 5 that i'm going to watch Carson Kelly, is he going to continue to show that the early part of the season was just a fluke because if you remember back before Carson Kelly got hurt back on May 4th he was hurt on May 4th up until May 4th Carson Kelly had a 105 average and a below a 300 OPS like this dude was absolutely terrible from a production standpoint up until he got hurt on Star Wars day but since coming back from injury he's basically been a 295 hitter with a 900 plus OPS and he's even got five home runs during that time as well because he only had one home run pre-injury and the hard contact numbers were there in the early part of the season. The expected stats were there for Carson Kelly. There, the underlying numbers would tell you Carson Kelly wasn't as bad as he's producing at the plate. And since he's come back from injuries, his numbers have dramatically improved. And those underlying numbers starting to look legit now. The hard contact numbers are actually aligning with what we see with the eye test because he's actually performing at the plate right now. And for Carson Kelly... He needs to continue to improve and show um, that he can be, a, you know, a, a major league catcher um, with some more consistency because the D-backs have basically already conceded that the Paul Goldschmidt deal was a failure when they traded Luke Weaver for a platoon third baseman. Like, we need Carson Kelly to actually live up to whatever ceiling he had, and I still think Carson Kelly could potentially be an offensive force as a catcher, still potentially be an all-star if everything breaks right because I think he's someone that's gotten better behind the dish every single season when it comes to framing and throwing out guys as an actual catcher I think Carson Kelly has been really good from that standpoint and even if you look at the numbers with the pitching staff when he was out with injury the that's when the pitching really started to crater is when Carson Kelly got hurt because when it was Dalton Varsho and Jose Herrera behind the plate they were just not calling games as well maybe it was from a framing perspective maybe it was from the calling of the pitches perspective but whatever it whatever it was the pitching staff performed way better with Carson Kelly behind the plate as opposed to someone else. So now that Carson Kelly is back behind the plate and he's performing well offensively as well, Carson Kelly has the potential to be a legit catcher, a top 10, top five catcher in baseball. I think he has that kind of ceiling and just about consistency with him. He's getting better behind the plate, but he needs to continue to get better in the batter's box. And so far, since coming back from injury, he's shown a lot, but we need to we need to continue to see him do it at a high level for the rest of the season post-trade deadline. Now, if you want to bet on Carson Kelly performing like he is for the rest of the season, you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. 
BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's get back into the pod. Let's wrap it up by talking about our final two storylines. And the first one, can we please get someone from the Zach Gorinke trade not name Josh Rojas to step up? Because when you look at that Gorinke trade, the D-backs got back three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization. They got back... uh, at least one top 100 prospect at the time, and J.B. Briscockis. I'm not too sure Corbin Martin was a top 100 prospect as well. I could probably look that up pretty quickly. But when you think of hauls, like, the D-backs technically got a haul back for Zach Greinke. Like, when you look at packages, yeah, Corbin Martin was also top 100 prospect. So when you look at hauls, the D-backs got back three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization including two that were in the top 100, according to MLB.com. Like, that's as good as a haul you could get for a guy who's nearly 40 years old as a pitcher making a ton of money. And so far, Josh Rojas, who is considered the throw-in in that deal, he was like the 27th best prospect in the Astros organization. He's been the best player from that deal. So I want to see someone else not named Josh Rojas step up because it's been a while now. I think that deal was made back in 2019. Like, it's been, like, that deal was made pre-pandemic and we still haven't really seen the return on our investment outside of Josh Rojas like there was one point this year where Seth Beer looked like the best D-backs player in the lineup through the first 11 games of the season Seth Beer 438 average 11-11 OPS he was literally carrying the team with walk-off home runs on beard night but after the first 11 games the next 16 games Seth Beer had three hits with one RBI and then we sent him down to the minors now he's back on the major league level so he has a chance to prove himself again because this is someone that has absolutely raked in the minor leagues and he raked the first 11 games of the season before before falling off a cliff so now with David Peralta out Seth Beer could be the everyday DH once again in this D-backs lineup but he has to pro- he has to produce offensively because he really doesn't do anything for you defensively and if he's not doing it with is that bat and what is Seth Beer's value in reality Corbin Martin has struggled mightily with his command he just absolutely loves to walk dudes basically a 12% walk rate this year he's got strikeout stuff but even with Brent Strom he hasn't really been able to hone his skill set the JB Braskakis was basically uh, reinstated off the injured list just a couple weeks ago after being out the entire season. He's performed well so far in the minor leagues, but only nine innings pitched. So maybe a Braskakis gets called up toward the end of the season. I could definitely see that because he's already been a guy that's flirted with major league time. He just hasn't been productive on the major league level just yet. Neither has Corbin Martin. All three of these guys have shown flashes. Maybe Seth Beers probably shown the most flashes more than Corbin Martin and J.B. Braskakis. But Martin and Braskakis were the two guys that were considered top 100 prospects back in 2019 according to MLB.com and we just haven't seen that on the major league level just yet so if one of those three if not all three of those guys can pop for this D-back squad that would be absolutely phenomenal for the rest of this season because Josh Rojas I think had just been a revelation for this D-backs team like I seriously didn't think Josh Rojas was going to be this good of a player like back in 2020 when I heard he was going to get at bats and back in 2019 when I heard he was getting at bats like I didn't think of I didn't think much of Josh Rojas those first two years in in the D-backs um 
the first two years Joshua Haas had a, on the major league level, like he wasn't a very good baseball player. But now you've seen what he's done this year. Like the numbers aren't crazy, but 270 average with 740 OPS, 12 stolen bases in just 73 games. Like Joshua Haas has showed a lot to me this year. Maybe some of the splits against left-handed pitching hasn't been great, but Josh Rojas, I think, has been way better than what I would have expected when we first traded for him. He's improved every season, and that's why I'm so mad that the D-backs traded for Emmanuel Rivera to be a platoon with Josh Rojas because it's like, just give me as many Josh Rojas at-bats as possible because he continues to get better every season, but I digress there. So hopefully, Braskakis, Beer, or Corbin Martin can step up to the plate because we need more than just Josh Rojas. And then the final storyline that I'm watching for the rest of the season is probably the most intriguing storyline, and it's will Corbin Carroll be called up? Because this is someone that is a consensus top two prospect in all of baseball. Check MLB.com, check Keith Law, check whoever. Corbin Corbin Carroll is that dude in uh, AAA, not in AAA, in the minor leagues so far this season through all the levels combined. 308 average, 1050 plus OPS, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, absolutely insane. In 15 games in AAA this year, 270 average, 900 plus OPS. So this is someone that every level of the minor league just has absolutely crushed and just absolutely raked. And when someone is raking as early as he was when he came onto the scene, those guys usually progress through the minor league system quickly. And those guys are usually pretty good major league baseball players. Like guys who usually come in and it's like, two years or less that they just progress through the system because they just rake at every level. Those guys usually work out on the major league level and he just has such a a, a wide array of skills that you just feel like will make him turn out to be a very good pro. Like he's got some of the most elite speed in all of baseball. Like once he gets a major league level, he will already be top 10 in sprint speed and one of the fastest players in baseball with his range in the outfield. He will instantly be a gold glove finalist he's also worked on his pop he's a straight contact hitter he could hit 300 he's going to hit probably 20 home runs like this is someone that's going to be like a 20 to 25 home run guy maybe a 30 to 40 stolen base kind of guy elite defense throwing out dudes with his arm like there's nothing on the field this guy can't do so i want to see what he can do for the d-backs for the rest of the season Obviously, he might not be called up right away, but once September hits, like I want to see Corbin Carroll on the Major League level for the last month of the season. Just give Corbin Carroll a taste. Give him a taste of the Major League level so for next season, he can just start right away with the D-backs from the start of the year, come into spring training with the guys, start the season with the guys, and just get adjusted and acclimated right away. Now, if he doesn't get called up, I think Corbin Carroll will probably do the Alec Thomas route next year and get called up like the second month of the season. But he's shown so much this year. Like, I don't think you have to wait for Corbin Carroll. He looks like a dude that is legit ready right now to make an impact. And he's someone that I just don't want to mess up the development with. He's someone that I think the quick you get him to the major league level, excuse me, the quicker you get him to the MLB level, the better. I think you don't want him wasting and having idle time in the minor leagues like that's not really going to help his development I think you want him up against major league pitching as much as possible take his lumps early so for next season and the year after Corbin Carroll can really break out and I just want to see what Corbin Carroll Dalton Varshow and Alec Thomas look like in the outfield all three of them that is a dream scenario and then in two to three years Carroll Thomas and Drew Jones all in the outfield with maybe Dalton Varsho as DH or Carson Kelly as DH with Varsho behind the plate I don't know but this D-backs team has a very interesting young core a core that 
potentially in like four years, um, could be one of the best lineups in baseball because they have so much talent. And Corbin Carroll could be at the top of that lineup, could be the best player from that core, considered one of the best prospects in baseball. I'm not a big prospect guy because I think most of them don't work out, but Corbin Carroll seems like the kind of guy that will be an all-star once he makes it to the major league level. But we have to first see him on the major league level before he can make any proclamation. So I'm hoping the D-backs call him up before the season ends. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. It's Friday, so go back and catch up on any pods you might have missed. We talked to Ryan Stiles about the Luke Weaver trade, host of Locked on Royals. Talked to Locked on Rays host, Yuli Sambrano, about the about uh, the David Peralta trade. We, of course, talked a lot about the Juan Soto deal on my YouTube channel, Locked on Dimebacks, so check that out. So come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Make your second listen Locked on MLB with our pal Sully Baseball, who is, of course, a walking baseball encyclopedia. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.